0: Hello and welcome to Family Renewal. I'm Israel Wayne, your host. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as we take a look at faith, family, and culture all through the lenses of a biblical worldview. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Hi, welcome to another edition of the Family Renewal Podcast. I'm Israel Wayne.
1: And I'm Brooke Wayne. We're so glad you've joined us.
0: Well, the last couple of episodes, we were talking about marriage, and specifically we were discussing the issue of conflict in marriage and some tips as far as bringing about conflict resolution. And we want to continue this discussion on marriage by moving into another C, conflict, into communication. We want to talk about how husbands and wives can communicate better and to keep their relationship close through the art of communication. So I'll be talking to the husbands and speaking to the husband's role in all this. Brooke will be speaking to the wives. So I guess I'll go ahead and kick it off and talk about the aspect of dad's being more engaged with their families in general. Uh, Men tend to have a lot of hobbies that occupy their free time, that occupy their interest. And it's not as though hobbies are intrinsically bad, but for dads who like to play golf or who like hunting or sailing or sports or uh, watching television, whatever it is that you do that's kind of your time to unwind and uh, free time for yourself, one of the things you need to look at as a dad is how can I get as many hours as I possibly can that I'm inputting into my family's life, uh, into my wife and my children. Uh, Your first priority is with your wife. You need to nurture your marriage, and your second priority is uh, with your children. I think it would go without saying, but again, I I should probably clarify. uh, Actually, your first priority is that you need to make sure that you're spending time with the Lord. Uh, That's essential, and that you are directing your uh, family in family worship, and that you're spending time in the Scripture. Uh, But then also, you need to make sure that you're just having good quality, uh, even fun time, just to spend with, uh, with your wife and with your children,
1: I think women tend to really um, thrive on the communication aspect because they they just really are communicative people. We're very interactive with our girlfriends, with our mothers, with our sisters. We tend to chat a lot. And that relational aspect really meets a deep need within women in general. And so when it comes to communicating with our husbands, I mean, this is just like where we really thrive. This is our shining moment. And we need to be very sensitive to approach this in a In a balanced way, because a lot of men just don't need to talk as much as most women and being able to recognize that and say, that's okay, I'm going to make space for my husband. Sometimes men come home and feel gunned by their wives because they're asked, how was their day? Who did you talk to? What happened? And it's like, oh, I've already lived that day once. I don't want to live that day again. And that can really turn off a wife because she's feeling like, well, hey, he doesn't want to connect with me. He doesn't want to share with me. And sometimes it's not necessarily a divisive issue. Sometimes it's nothing to do with him not wanting to share with his wife. He just wants to stop that day that he's already lived once and start having a good time then. And so I think a wife really needs to learn her husband in this regard, learn what's on his heart, how how he can best, um, how he best relates to her, how he best communicates what he really needs. I think an area that can help is by asking questions and not pointed questions, but questions that say, well, what's on your mind right now? Or maybe not even quite that in depth and just like, oh, how can I help you with whatever project you got going on? Allowing him some space to even pursue some things that might be uh, just hobbies out in the garage or or for the men who enjoy going to the batting range, just being able to take a little time from his workday break for just some relaxing time for himself, something that's not causing a lot of uh, intense involvement with people if he's, been, if he's very involved in his day job with interacting with people, and just being able to give him that space can be a huge benefit for you when you are ready to you know, have your family time, have your marriage time later in the day.
0: I think for a lot of men, it's difficult for them to communicate with their wives. And part of that is just due to the fact that if they are working outside the home, they've had to interact with people during the day, and they've already used up a good bit of their word quota, whereas their wives are at home all day uh, with children, and by the time dad comes home, uh, they're just ready to have an adult conversation. Uh, So you have two different dynamics there. A lot of times at the end of a long, hard work day, the wife is ready to talk. The guy is not ready to talk. Um, some of that, I think, as men, we just have to be mindful that uh, we have to be willing to engage our wife in conversation, even times at times when we don't feel like it. Uh, but also, I would say that as husbands, we need to be willing to initiate conversations, particularly when there are macro issues, um, to the direction of our family or If there's a problem that we're having, say, with um, an attitude in one of our children that needs to be dealt with or there's some kind of a possible strain that we're experiencing, maybe it's a topic that's not very pleasant, maybe a financial uh, difficulty that we're experiencing or something like that. I feel like men need to be the guy who – the husband needs to be the guy who is going to initiate that conversation. Um, men sometimes tend to avoid anything that would potentially create conflict and we just avoid it. And, um, I don't know that avoidance is necessarily a good idea. It's kind of like when you open the refrigerator and you see a food item in there that's been in there for quite some time and you crack the lid and look in there and you can see that it's starting to grow mold. Uh, there can be a tendency to go, oh, yuck, um, I don't want to deal with that right now. And so you just snap the lid back down and push it back a little further into the refrigerator thinking, well, we'll deal with it later. The difficulty with that kind of a scenario is that it never improves. It doesn't get better uh, through through time. <laughs> time doesn't enhance it when it's already started to uh, grow hair and, and uh, create the capacity to move on its own inside mm-hmm. of your refrigerator. So I think for men, that's something men have to be willing to do is initiate those difficult conversations and not just uh, wait for the wife to bring it up because when your wife brings it up, then, as you probably know, she's going to do it in a moment when she's frustrated more than likely and you're going to feel like she's nagging you and it just goes south real fast. So being proactive about those things. I think one of the ways that... uh, You can create good communication is carving out time for it, Um, scheduling time to have conversations. So if your wife wants to talk about the budget or she wants to talk about discipline issues you're having with the children or about homeschooling curriculum that you need to buy or something that's not working in terms of the home maintenance or something like that, you have to create space for her to have that time. If right after work is not an optimum time for you, you have to create time. When you do want to talk about it, you can't just avoid it altogether. So that's where like having a date night might be a really good idea where you schedule time for the two of you to go out. You're not distracted and give your wife the floor. Give her the ability uh, to actually ask those questions that keep getting buried. Those things that sort of get shoved to the back of the fridge that just never have a chance to get discussed.
1: A lot of times for women, they need to realize that the communication level they have with their husband is very different than their chat time with their friends, their girlfriends. And it's going to look different. A lot of times, women need to learn and step back just to become good listeners so that they're really listening to what's going on with their husband and what's on his heart. It takes a lot more than just um, the girlfriends who are willing to share how they're feeling about something, what they think about something, um, what they didn't think about something, what they're not feeling about something, and they just go very much, you know, wearing their sleeve heart on their sleeve. For our husbands, you have to play a bit of a more detective Listen carefully, listen to what's going on, listen to what his concerns are and see, uh, are there ways that you can come alongside him, encourage him, or are there things that you need to be joining him with in prayer? Again, ask questions, ask him about what, to clarify something when he's saying, no, I don't really want to do something, ask him more about it, ask him what types of, um, what's on his heart, where, where his vision is, where he's wanting to direct the family and see how you guys can pursue this together. If it's a decision that needs to be made, uh, talk through issues. If you want to lay out, like, let's talk about curriculum and what we need to do as far as purchasing new curriculum or using what we had from last year, um, bring some information so that you've got a detailed report to be able to give to your husband But then ask him, what is it you're wanting to do? What is it you want to do with our children? A lot of times the homeschooling area arena with our children tends to be so mom-dominated, and yet this is a partnership between the husband and wife seeking to equip and train those children for the glory of God. So make sure that you're involving your husband in that.
0: I have a workshop that I've done at some of the homeschooling conferences called Transforming Learning Through the Art of Asking Questions, and one of the things that I talk about there is the difference between asking open-ended questions versus closed questions or or rhetorical questions. A rhetorical question is a question that doesn't necessarily expect an answer. In fact, in many ways, a rhetorical question isn't really a true question. A rhetorical question oftentimes is a statement that is phrased Under the guise of a question, Uh, for example, uh, why is it that you always leave your socks on the floor? That kind of thing. That's a rhetorical question. It's not really a discovery question, although theoretically it could be, uh, (laughs) but it's more of a statement. The -hmm. statement is, I'm sick of you leaving your socks on the floor. Or another one is, you know, why can't you ever come home on time? Uh, again, that may seem like a discovery question uh, that's looking for information, but it usually is just a statement of frustration that I'm angry because you never make it home on time. Um, one of the things that I notice people do in communication that creates problems is they often will add these statements of you always, you never, why don't you ever, uh, those kinds of absolute statements. Those are very difficult. So rather than asking, rhetorical questions which are you know questions that don't really demand an answer you know why are you so stupid that kind of thing that's a, an example of a rhetorical question it's really more of a statement i think you're stupid those rhetorical questions are closed questions in other words they cause people to close down they sh- they shut people down open ended questions cause people to open up uh questions like so in an ideal world, what would you like to see happen here? Or if money wasn't an object, what would you do? Or so what is your plan B? You know, Those kinds of questions, they inspire and motivate thought, and they encourage people to open up and to give longer answers than just yes-no answers. So learning the art of asking good questions can go a long way, in terms of our relationship, in terms of of how we discuss.
1: Another area that this really brings out is learning to be a good listener, learning how to hear what your husband is truly saying and to not just assume and make um, jump to conclusions because of statements he might make. There will be times when you'll need to go back and say, okay, um, when you say this, what is it you mean by this? Because remember, you're two people coming from— Virtually two different universes. You're melding together to become one, and so there's going to be times when your husband will say something, and it sounds shockingly rude, or it sounds just so individualistic. And you might want to just, instead of assuming or jumping to conclusions, assuming he doesn't want to spend the time with you, or he doesn't want to have a a, a, you know long, lovely conversation at that moment. To go, okay, let me ask some questions and not to put it in a harsh way, but just to find out what's going on with him, how to understand him. Instead of assuming something and saying, well, you do this to me, how about asking any, any questions and being able to find out what's behind that? He may have very good reasons for why he does something a certain way or why he even says something a certain way. That when you understand it, you might be able to better um, just be able to rest in that and to grow together. One tip, uh, one way to put that is to say, instead of you do this and and be pointing the finger, so to speak, conversationally, to be able to say, when you do this, I feel this way. Or when you do that, this is how I perceive it. I don't want to uh, make an assumption here. I'm just kind of curious why it is that you word this question this way.
0: When I speak to groups of men, one of the things that I often tell fathers is that you, dad, are the spiritual thermostat for your family. Sometimes you may come home from the end of a long, hard day, and it's real easy sometimes to assess the emotional, relational, and spiritual temperature in your home by looking at the attitudes, actions, and responses of your children in particular, when you see them quarreling and bickering and fighting and when there's conflict, you know things are not where they're supposed to be. And I think sometimes as men, what we do is we tend to look at our wives and we tend to blame them for the situation. But in reality, we are the emotional, relational, spiritual thermostat for the family. If there's something that we don't like about the relational temperature in our home, then we need to think about What can I change in myself to change the situation? As opposed to what can I do to change these people, we need to look at how are we responding. And very often as men, we're responding in an angry, stressful, kind of manipulative way. Uh, Maybe we are being overbearing in the way that we're dealing with other people or whatever the case may be. And so what happens is that transfers, and our wife will begin to respond that way to the children. The children will begin to respond that way to each other. It's just a vicious cycle. So if, in terms of relational communication and so forth within the home, if things are not going well, I find that very often this can be traced back ultimately to the dad and the way that he responds to and the way that he communicates with the rest of the family and then in a secondary way, mom is also a relational and emotional and spiritual thermostat for the children. So that's something she has to think about is, how am I responding to them? Because it's really easy for her to see that they're not getting along and they're quarreling and all of that. But very seldom does she think about the fact that she is responding to them in frustration and stress and anger. And that they're simply transferring that to their own relationships. So it's really important for us as parents, but particularly for fathers, to be mindful of this duty, this responsibility to set the temperature uh, by being proactive as a thermostat.
1: Well, as we've been talking about communication, we've been talking about being able to talk to your husband in a way that um, provides a safe place for him to share his heart, not putting expectations on him to want to chit-chat in the same way that you would with your girlfriends, and just being able to be a good listener. One of the things we touched on was not not making false assumptions. When you're um, interacting with your husband, so many times through the um, daily interactions you have, the decisions that you're making as a couple, through the years, sometimes a bitterness can build in a wife where she is angry because her husband has not met certain expectations she's had. And she allows that root of bitterness to start growing and it can come out in the way that she communicates with her husband. For example, one of the things that happened in early in our marriage was um, just a difference in expectations as far as where we ate. And I mean where we ate, you know, I always ate at the table. My family ate breakfast, lunch, dinner at the table. Once in a while, we'd have a snack someplace else or eat dinner on the couch, you know, Christmas Eve or something, something different. With his family, they rarely sat at the dinner table for their meals, just kind of everybody um, sitting on the couch or something like that. So I had these beautiful table decorations and Uh, placemats and all that that I would try to make this beautiful setting and my husband didn't want to sit at the table I felt very excluded with that and I thought you know this is just this is just abnormal people should he's not wanting to spend this time with me I've made this elaborate meal and he doesn't even want to sit down and enjoy it with me but I had assumptions that were fed by my expectations and those things started to root develop into that bitterness a root of bitterness for me and um instead of being wise and mature and actually expressing how I felt or or asking questions that would lead to some further discussion, some conversation, I just stuffed all these things because I didn't know how to deal with it. Now, a lot of women are dealing with much, much deeper and larger issues than where you eat, you know, something that's so benign. But um, the the same principle applies. We have got to make sure that if we have expectations uh, that we are expressing them and not putting burdens on people with our expectations. For example, we need to be putting our, our expectations, our desires into form of a question. At that point, you're at least having dialogue and you're able to express, here's something I want, here's how I would like to see this. Now, when it comes to a bigger issue, a moral issue, let's say pornography even, then there's a lot more, you know, this is not just, oh, I want you to sit at the table with me or I want you to put your shoes on the mat instead of strewn all over the living room. You're dealing with a much bigger issue. There's, there's more involved. It's not just your opinion here. There is the word of God bearing on this issue. And so that's going to require a little bit different I, um, tone. It's going to require a different approach. What I'm talking about are some of the things that we just, we always have expectations and we always want these certain things a certain way. And so as you're talking to your husband, you need to be careful not to allow your unmet, unvoiced expectations develop into bitterness. I was recently with a, um, an elderly woman. And she had a lot of bitterness towards her husband that through the years she had stuffed, she had kept quiet about, and as it's coming to her older age, she's just exploding with this wrath inside that she has never expressed. She's never in, never had that dialogue, that conversation with her husband. And so these things that we think, oh, well, I'll just, you know, grin and bear it, we've got to bring out to the light and discuss in an honest way but also in a way that provides our husbands the opportunity to express how they're doing, how they're feeling about it, and be able to um, give some honest feedback.
0: One of the things that I always say to my wife is I say, use words. Don't I, honey? Don't I say that a lot? Yes. (laughs) Use words. And the reason for that is because I'm a guy. And not only am I a guy, but I'm the kind of guy who does not catch social cues. Like... I could be in a social setting with some other people, let's say that we are with a group of people for dinner, and my wife would say something to me afterwards on the drive home and say, you know, when you said this thing, did you notice that you really offended the host's wife? And I would be like, what? She got offended? Like, no, I didn't notice that at all. She didn't say she was offended. And Brooke would be like, she doesn't have to say she's offended. It was very obvious that she was offended. And I'd be like, well, if she was offended, why didn't she say something? So from my viewpoint, like if you don't tell me that I'm doing something offensive, I don't know, honestly. And I mean, that may sound lame to you, but you really have to be as direct and blunt with me as saying, what you are doing is offensive to me. Like the example that Brooke used of me not sitting at the table. She would not only uh, have a perception of that, but then she would internalize that and make uh, more assumptions, more beliefs based on it. So for example, uh, she would not just look at the act of me coming to the living room and putting my feet up on the couch with a plate and you know eating at the, eating at the couch or, or sitting at a recliner or something like that. Um, she would not just view that as a different cultural motif, for example. She would view that as a personal rejection of her, that she would view it as, okay, he doesn't want to... Sit with me at a table, therefore I'm not valuable to him, therefore he doesn't love me, etc. And like not loving my wife would be the farthest thing from my mind. I just don't like sitting at a table and eating formally at a table. I just don't like it. I never have. And it's just a different cultural thing for me. Um, not saying it's better, it's just a thing. So, but for me, there'd be nothing in that action that I would think would communicate, I don't love my wife. So if she's feeling that way, I need her to tell me and then we can talk about it. And I can say that so, so she can say that it makes me feel as though I'm not valuable to you or I'm not important to you or that you don't love me if you're not sitting with me at the table and we're looking into each other's eyes and having a conversation. Uh, So those are things that, in communication, may seem stupid, but they add up over time. And if they just get suppressed and they don't get discussed, then, like she said, bitterness can begin to grow. And sometimes these conflicts compound to the point where, years later, they become really big, major issues.
1: This really was a big deal for me. And once I was able to slow down... Let my emotions rest and just be able to have conversation and communication, dialogue about um, why? Why would you not eat at the table? You know, to me, I had just developed these assumptions of he believes this, therefore this. And actually, when we talked about it, I was able to realize he's coming from a whole different perspective. He has a whole different opinion on this, and it's okay. And that took a while. But, you know, at this point in our marriage, I just am so... um, i I so trust that it has nothing to do with his viewpoint of me or his lack of desire to spend time with me and it's It's like I found a comfortable place of rest in it, but I know that if I developed a uh, bitterness about it and allowed and fostered that over the years that it would really become a division in our marriage, and so I really would ask you women to not stuff feelings and emotions. If you have a problem, it needs to come out in the light. And that's hard because so many times as women, we come out fighting and swinging when there's no issue. And so you do need to have an appropriate um, listening heart to come into a conversation with your husband when there's some difference or some um, perhaps conflict even. And to just graciously be able to talk it out to find out where each other's at and to not have those expectations placed on your husband. I really feel that a lot of times we make those expectations regarding the romantic side of our life together and that we define it by certain levels that a husband has to meet. He has to bring flowers every Friday or he has to take you out on a date night or he has to open up the door for you. And sure, those things are lovely, those things are sweet. But real romance is not in all those performances. Real romance is in being able to travel down the same road together
0: and being a team. I think one of the ways to be a team is to make sure that you make decisions together. And so for the husbands in particular, especially with really big decisions, make sure that you are including your wife in big decisions. There's nothing that makes you feel unimportant or undervalued more than being shut out of a major decision that influences and impacts everybody. So anything that is important to the entire family, whether it's a major purchase or a job change or relocating to another part of the country or changing churches or an educational decision or something like that, those things need to be discussed to the point where both of you feel a peace about moving forward in that direction, at least ideally. And uh, in times when men don't do that, when they just sort of railroad over their wife, it will create conflict. And it's really unnecessary. I mean, there's just no, in my mind, there's no need for a guy to have, that's not manly, that's not godly, uh, to just run over top of everybody and say, look, you don't need to be involved in the decision. It's not loving. And so I think uh, love would... Include your partner, your heir together, in the grace of life in those major decisions it's part of how you show unity in your marriage.
1: It is so important that a wife believes in her husband, and before you set the alarm off on that, let me say sometimes a wife needs to just believe in her husband in whatever area she can now, what i 'm wanting to address here is the believing your husband that he can grow in the Lord that he can. Make it that he is capable, that he can um, he can provide for the family. It's amazing how much men need their wives to be there for them and to just believe that they can pull this off, that they can be the man of the house, that they can provide for their families, that they can lead their families. So many men are actually very vulnerable and um, feel fragile in this department. Of course, they're not going to show that, but they are needing so that partner in their life to come along and encourage them and just give them that that firm i believe in you i can i want to see you walk this out in a right way i want to see you walk out life in a right way and i'm here for you and i'm cheering for you now that can be really shattered if a husband is shown he's is, he's is leaning towards um not providing for the family well or his heart seems to be wandering away from his wife these can be very difficult things And yet, even so, in a godly marriage, a wife needs to be there for her husband to say, You know what? I see that you can become a godly leader in our home. I see that you can be a faithful husband, and I believe that you can rise to this occasion and do this. The point as a wife is that we're asking God to bear the weight of His Holy Spirit on our husbands so that he becomes the man that God wants him to be. And our trust is not in, oh, I trust that my husband's going to be faithful. He's going to be good. He's going to provide well. We can't put our trust in men, but we can trust in the Lord to do that beautiful work in our husbands. And so as we're there, being a help and encourager and being someone who's going, I'm here for you. I am rooting for you. We're able to be... Um, just a partner with the Lord, really, in the life of this man that we have who holds our heart.
0: I was talking with a married lady the other night, and she was telling me some uh, conflicts that she's having in her marriage with her husband, and she said, I just believe that my husband can never change. He's just always going to be like this, and I don't know how much of this I can take. And basically, I'm considering now whether I need to get out of this marriage or not. And... I said, how can you say that you don't believe that he will ever change? I mean, where does that leave faith? I mean, what kind of faith is that in God to say that God is not capable of changing your husband? And she said, well, I, I don't think that he will change. I don't think it's possible for him to change. And I said, but think about you know where Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, he gives this list of all these terrible things that people in the church had done. And then he says, and so were some of you but you were washed, you were cleansed, you were sanctified. And she said, well, yeah, but that was back then. As though somehow the Holy Spirit is more impotent now, as as though the Holy Spirit doesn't have the capacity or the power to do miracles and transform people's lives today like he did during the first century. Um, if you have that kind of a lack of faith, that's where you have to go to God and just say, God... I'm not putting faith in this individual because maybe you don't have any reason or any rationality for trusting that they are motivated to change, they want to change, that they, maybe they haven't shown any history to prove that they have an inclination in that direction. But your faith and confidence is in God. It's not in your husband. It's in the Holy Spirit. And if you lose that faith, then you're losing the essence of what it is to be a Christian. I don't, I don't mean to put it that starkly, but I mean the Scripture says within, in Hebrews 11, "...without faith, it's impossible to please God." Everything begins by faith. We're justified by faith. Faith is the core essence of how we're saved. We're saved by grace through faith. Faith in what? Faith in a living God who saves and delivers and transforms people." You have to have that faith. And if you don't have that faith, you have to go to God and say, God, change my heart and help me to live by faith, help me to walk in faith.
1: We've talked a lot about communication here, and we've been talking about the communication between a husband and a wife. And yet, in essence, what all of a marriage comes down to is what does God want to use your marriage for? He may, um, You may not be able to have the ideal marriage that you always dreamed of, But there is one thing we know that without doubt, the will of God is that you have a godly marriage with your husband. That's what he desires. We spend so much time thinking about and interacting with and communicating with our families and our husbands. And yet I want to promote to you that you need to go to the Lord and need to spend time in prayer. Prayer is where so much of our battle needs to happen in life and we need to be approaching the Lord full of assurance that we're asking when we ask for um, godly marriages that we're asking something that is in his desires to give it is his will that the husband and wife have a godly marriage that pleases the lord and so you can go and ask him there is work to be done in the prayer realm prayer will bear results in your marriage
0: i want to encourage you men in particular to lead in praying together with your wife There are statistics, and I don't have them at my fingertips at the moment, that talk about how much more likely you are to stay married if you pray together daily, and then lead in praying together as a family. This is one of the most important things that we can do as a family, and fathers, this is your responsibility to be the one initiating prayer and leading in prayer with your wife and with your children. It's not your wife's responsibility to be the spiritual leader of your family. It's your responsibility. And so, guys, it's time to man up and take responsibility in this issue of initiating prayer. Because communication, ultimately, uh, is, communication in marriage is going to be as effective as your communication with your Heavenly Father. Because that's where our strength comes from. And so, we need to be individually praying, we need to be corporately praying, uh, and that is communication and connection with our Savior through the Holy Spirit, that's going to be the thing that is going to give us the kind of communication that we need to have among ourselves. So we thank you for listening to this Family Renewal podcast. We encourage you to visit our website. Our website is familyrenewal.org. FamilyRenewal.org. Visit us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash family Renewal. Um, you can also look up my pages, Israel Wayne. I've got, um, I guess it's Facebook.com/forward/slash/Israel.Wayne and Facebook.com/forward/slash/Israel Wayne Author. I encourage you to check those pages out. Also, my Christian Apologetics website and my blog are found at ChristianWorldview.net/forward/slash/blog. There are resources that we have available on our website that have to do with marriage and family and parenting. I would encourage you to check out uh, my books, Homeschooling from a Biblical Worldview, Full-Time Parenting, A Guide to Family-Based Discipleship. Uh, My latest book is called Questions God Asks, and my newest book is going to be released in the spring of 2015, Questions Jesus Asks. I encourage you to check out those resources, and we also hope that we can come and speak uh, to a group somewhere in your area. So if your church or, or your uh, homeschool group or uh, your state homeschool convention or your uh, other Christian group, camp, family camp, uh, whatever it is, uh, we do marriage seminars, marriage retreats, um, family seminars, uh, Christian apologetics seminars and conferences. If you're interested in connecting with us, uh, please let us know. Um, there's a contact form on familyrenewal.org. We would love to hear with, hear from you. We encourage you to sign up on our mailing list, which is on our website, so that we can let you know if we are coming to your area. And uh, we thank you so much. God bless you.
1: God bless.